Hey Alexa, what's the definition of hustle? To be aggressive, especially in business or other financial dealings. You're listening to the H for Hustle podcast, designed to inspire future entrepreneurs to take the leap from working for someone else to pursue their passions and side hustles and turning them into full-fledged businesses. My name is Jerome Fenton. I'm a serial entrepreneur. Every week, I'll be speaking with an entrepreneur that has taken that leap. We'll be talking about the lessons they've learned and how they've turned their passions and side hustles into full-fledged businesses. H for Hustle Podcast, welcome back. Another illustrious episode up ahead. Man, and before I get into today's guest, I want to say Happy New Year. Welcome to 2022. I hope you guys have your goals written down and you got your focus and you're ready to execute at a high level. Um, So I don't want to waste too much time. Let's get into today's guest. Today's guest is Brett Kaufman from Wellsprings Media. And what an amazing story Brett has of how he built Wellspring Media. It, it is a fascinating story. He went through a little bit of, of trauma that happened in his life, and that kind of turned him on to the value of words, and then the story just kind of gets expansive from there. So I don't want to waste too much time. Let's jump into the episode right, right now. now. Boom. Now. H for House Podcast, welcome back. We have another great guest today. We have uh, Brett Kaufman from Wellspring Media. Brett, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Man, I love your show. I've listened to a few episodes and you do a really good job interviewing guests. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, Brett, if you know, these days people have a million slashes in their name, right? Um, if I was to meet you somewhere, what would you say you do for a living? Whew. Man, I'm still trying to explain that to my mom. I guess by... <laughs> By trade, I'm a copywriter, but it's so much more than that because it's all about communication. So if I was at a networking event, I was like, we look at your funnel, we see where the gaps are because generally you're so good on video or camera speaking, but the words on your page don't match that same passion. We make sure that that is transcribed from your mouth to the page. Got it. Now I'm interested to what do you tell your mom? Because that sounds confusing. (laughs) Basically, I'm like, I didn't do anything with my degree. I'm sorry. (laughs) <laughs> more what i said all right um so copywriting so let's go like what is copywriting most people don't know what it is it's a it's it's almost one of the uh internet's best kept secret i like to feel right. like it is because yeah. everyone knows what copywriting is because they've interacted with it but they don't know that someone's behind it making it so what is a copywriter so it's it's a copywriter is is anyone meaning so this is a the technical answer is words that sell, right? Mm-hmm. The answer I always give is that everything you interact with online is copywriting because it's either written or you're speaking it usually from like a script or some someone helping you explain it. So copywriting is just clear communication. Got it. When people are online, they're looking at something. It's that thing that gets them intrigued, either connects, converts, or gets them to take action on something. Got it. Okay. So let's go back. I know you didn't just go to school for copywriting because you said you tell your mom that you didn't use your degree. So let's go back a bit. Um, How did you even get into uh, copywriting? Backwards. Like I didn't. So copywriting, to me, there was not a traditional route. My story in the short story of it was that I went through a stage of depression where I literally forgot how to speak for a certain period of time. It was this really interesting period where sometimes my mouth was like cemented shut and I'd walk around with like a notebook or like a whiteboard and I would literally write down what I was trying to say. Because What age were you? 
Uh, this was my junior year of college. So let's say 20 to 21 in that wow. park. Well, yeah. What caused that? So the year before I was living abroad in Israel and I loved it. Amazing, amazing year. Uh, and I came back and what I think was, or at least what I thought at the beginning was extreme culture shock where I experienced this life-changing year. I came back and like my entire environment was the exact same. Um, mm. And the things I loved no longer aligned with my friends. And they were, they're all amazing people. Just, I wanted like, something else and I didn't know how to communicate it in my environment wasn't conducive for like this newfound passion that I wanted to do and like, you know, view of life. So uh, I ended up falling into a deep state depression because of that. Um, and what was fascinating was I was always, you know, um, I was always someone that knew how to communicate pretty well prior to it, meaning I was always friendly making friends, but I forgot everything in regards to talking. Um, and I remember, cause I, I ended up hiring my first personal development uh, coach from that time period. And one of the things I would do was I would literally write down how sentences would be like said, or like what I was trying to say in the sentence, because that's the only way I could communicate. So I started to literally like write down everything I wanted to say, show it to someone, but more specifically now when someone talks to me, I like see their words kind of like a teleprompter. So it's very interesting. Like when you speak, I'll see where you're pausing. I'll see where your commas go. So words were ingrained in me because I had to relearn how to talk kind of similar oh, wow. God forbid you're in an accident you have to relearn how to walk mm -hmm. it was the same concept for talking so and because of that you look at how people's words are almost like visually you see it yeah wow that's really interesting all right so yeah. now that you're you is that tapped you into a new world like found way of like new love for words were you always like the wordsmith or not really so funny enough, my partner, I have two partners in my company. They're the wordsmiths. My background is similar to you in regards to sales. Um, and I actually was a very poor writer in high school, which is a little <laughs> ironic for what I do now. But it was, I always knew how to communicate well. So it. it was more like in a conversation with you because it was so hard for me to talk. I was like, what do I need to say to get this out in the least amount of energy possible? Cause I don't have that much energy to continue a conversation. Got so it. I had to learn how to be like precise and, and really captivate you into the conversation. Cause man, I, I couldn't go, you know, nine rounds in a long in-depth conversation during that time period. Oh, it just wasn't going to happen. That's super interesting. All right. So, so you're, you're now writing words on paper. When do you get <laughs> out of that? When do you like, how does, how do you even get out of something like that? So I ended up falling in love with the passion similar when I was in Israel with, which we talked about a little bit at the pre-show was my pro-Israel activism. And um, so I spent my entire junior and senior year, like running around the country, going to conferences, lobbying members of Congress, uh, working on legislation that helped bring the U.S. and Israel close together mm -hmm. uh, through bipartisan support. So everyone, you know, everyone wins. And that led me to my first job at APAC, which is the American Israel Public Affairs uh, Committee, amazing organization. And my job working there was to cold call people. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny, like what you're saying about sales earlier, where I would literally be the person on the phone, you know, 100, 200 dials a day, getting yelled at, getting told like to screw off, all that stuff. But my job was to get you to sit down with me to ask you to invest anywhere between like $2,000 to $100,000 first time meeting. Wow. And you didn't even get like a t-shirt. You just got like a feeling good knowing that you were contributing to a cause that was helping the world. And so I had to, again, talk about copywriting. I had to learn how to structure my text messages, my emails, the scripts on the phone, 
in the meeting how to get you down a conversation thread to get you excited enough to invest money. Something again, you don't you don't get anything in return besides a good feeling. So my falling into copywriting was to the sales side of recognizing I don't want to call every day. So how can I write the words to attract someone Got it. to sit down with me instead? So you were writing emails and text messages to get to convince people to buy to actually buy a good feeling or donate yeah. to a good feeling <laughs> that's Basically. super interesting now in that process how much people did you get to donate uh in the three years i was there um i ended up raising around like two and a half to three million give or take how you want to count it wow some and, really yeah. solid text message <laughs> I, was, I was very proud of my work yeah. <laughs> wow that's awesome so did you even think like, hey, this is a career path that I can take somewhere else? Like, oh, I write text messages, I'm writing emails just so I can convince people. Did you say, oh, this is a copywriter. Let me go take that elsewhere. No, it ended up happening. Like, I remember going. So I got promoted from one office to the next office, still working full time, didn't even think about becoming an entrepreneur. And I remember asking my boss because there was in between contracts, was in between contracts at this time. Can I get like two months off? I want to travel. This would be the last time I could probably travel. Be, you know, when you're working, it's very hard to take that time off. He said, no, we need you. And I was, I got upset by that because I had this time off that I thought I was going to get. So I said, screw that. I'm never going to let anyone tell me when I can and can't take time off. And so I ended up buying a program about email marketing because I was just marketed to me about that. Mm. There wasn't anything interesting about that. I was just like, this guy's telling me I can create the life of my dreams. All right. This money I was going to use to go travel, now I can't. I'm going to invest into what he's saying because I want that life. So he taught me email marketing. From there, I tried and failed miserably to get clients. <laughs> um, and even the few clients that I got, they like, my, it sucked. Like I was like, did not know what I was doing. Let's go back. Email is still a great form of like marketing. 100%. But what year were you doing email marketing? Because this is not really the most popular thing. <laughs> so I, I love email marketing. I will live and die by it. This was 2018. Wow. That I would, yeah. Yeah. So this is not really like the most popular thing. Most this, At this point, people are social media. They want to get on TikTok. They want to get on Instagram. They're focused on Facebook and social media marketing. So was it a hard pitch to try to get people to to get sign up for email marketing? So it was like, my whole pitch was like, you let me write your emails and you're going to get X amount of conversions. Um, like that, that kind of stuff. Like, you know, you can pay me in flat fee and bonus, or just if you really, you know, trust me that you can do, or excuse me, if, if I really trust myself, I'll do all commission only. So I really using my sales skills, made them an offer is hard for them to say no to. Got it. The ironic part was I was so good at sales. I wasn't the best writer yet at this time. So this is like mm. the very funny gap I had to bridge. So I ended up meeting my second partner at a conference. Um, and you know, like when you meet someone and you're like, let's get coffee, but like, you don't like really mean it. Cause it's kind of like a formality. Yeah. Like me and this guy, we met earlier in the conference. We celebrated the last night of the conference. We were in a club. And we're like, let's do business together. And it was like, whatever. And then I ended up actually closing a client. Um, and I called him and said, I can't fulfill this. Can you help me? And that's how we formed together. Cause he was, he's the wordsmith. Got so it. then together we had the sales and wordsmith side. And then I think God became an amazing writer because of him. Then later on, we partnered with our third guy. Got it. Okay. So then you met at this conference. You, you seem to be very, 
So you said something that's really interesting. You said it like a couple of times. You had a self-development coach, which most people yeah. don't get. Um, you went to conferences. What was this? You bought this course. Was there always a need for like self-improvement or like, did you just, where did that, that thing come from? Cause most people know that they need something, but they don't go after, you know, finding the help to help them with that. It's well, talking to a lot of people that have gone through depression. They, when you hit your own version of rock bottom and whatever that is, it may not even be like mental illness it can be drug abuse, whatever it is, you know, that that's your rock bottom. And so I, I was like, I will, I never want to get that feeling again. Um, and full disclosure, I swung way too far into the personal development space. Like I was way, there, there's a fine balance you need to hold. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's okay if you eat a cookie, like relax, man, it's totally fine. Um, so, but I, during that time period, I knew I had to go so deep in the personal development deep end because I had so much trauma to overcome. And I, I refused to feel the same way that I Got felt it. during those dark times. Got it. So you just swung in a complete other direction and <laughs> then really just wanted to like improve yourself so much. Got it. Yeah. All right. So then you and him team together, yeah. then you become the sales arm. So you go out and look for business and he's the one executing on the business. Yeah. So we did that. Yeah. So as a like partnership, you make it sound so easy because I was in a, a partnership with two other business partners as well. How did you meet this a random stranger and business just so happened to operate so smoothly? How did you maneuver that? Because partnerships are sometimes a little difficult to, to maneuver through. Totally. And, um, you know, it's funny. We fight like an old married couple. Still do. Like, <laughs> okay. Thanks for keeping it honest. Oh, for sure. There's like... Yeah, it's definitely not a happy marriage, but we understand each other. And um, let me rephrase, it's a happy marriage, we fight. So yeah. like that dynamic. Um, we we met at a conference and um, it's interesting, if anyone's watching on camera, you notice my eyes are pointed down because I'm reflecting on the memory. I recently wrote a post about this talking about everything's connection. So if you ever studied the five phases of market sophistication, most online coaching space is in now near stage five where everyone's heard everything. There's really no like new claims or crazy whatnot you can do. So now people are buying from you, less your services. So mm-hmm. can they relate to you? Do they connect to you? Like, do they like Harry Potter? Like you do. I love salsa dancing. Like, so I love talking about that stuff. Him and I just clicked as friends um, mm. very naturally. And so we built that friendship and we, um, the partnership worked out well because we were both really good at listening to each other. Got it. Um, even when we fight, it's because our egos get in the way and we yell at each other about that, but we're both very good at like, let me take a step back like, and yeah. slow down and hear you out more. Got it. Um, so that would be like kind of like the building blocks. Got it. So if you were to give any tips to anyone right now who's thinking about joining a partnership, what are like the five top three things you would give them to like make that partnership work out smoothly? Uh, first, I recognize your entire weaknesses. Do not partner with someone that has your exact strengths because then there's just two of you and you're going to be missing an arm. Um, that'd be one. Number two, make sure this other person is just as good as a listener as you are. Mm-hmm. Number three, understand your potential exit plan, meaning why do you want to be in this partnership? For what purpose do you want to get out of it? Is this a long-time thing for you? Is this a short-term? In the example, like, I know people that have gotten in partnerships as they were also kind of dating other partners and like this offers better. So I want to go that way. So be very clear on your intentions. Um, and I know I already said listening, but listening is the most important part because if you can't 
you don't need to be best friends with your partner, but if you can't grab a beer with them and have like a very honest, like heart to heart about what's happening in life, like it's going to get ugly because shit does get ugly during the course of your business yeah. relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very solid. And like listening is, I think the top one. And like yeah. you said, move the ego out of the way. Sometimes very tough, but <laughs> when you can move that ego out of your way, it actually lines up. So now you guys are a partnership. When do you get the third partner to jump in? Is it very quickly or is it like no. <laughs> years down the line? So we were doing this together for about like two years. We we're doing pretty well. I mean, two kids that knew nothing, right? We, yeah, he, he was a train writer from, from school and he mm -hmm. had a marketing degree. I was good at sales, but we didn't have a, um, what we thought the skill set that we needed, but we were doing pretty good. I mean, I was living at home for a bit during that time period. He was uh, living at home and then moved just to New York. And um, we were doing like 10 to 15K a month. Solid good, for, yeah. for, for kids that don't together. know what the hell they're doing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and we actually approached our third partner um, and we were looking for mentorship. And mm -hmm. he was like, he denies it went down this way, but we, 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 went, we believe it went down this way. We were like, <laughs> We're like, hey, can we hire you? And he goes, how much money are you making? Not in a condescending way, because he generally wanted to know. And we're like, this amount. And he goes, you guys are too poor for me right now, in the sense that I won't let you spend money on something I know you're going to be struggling to pay rent on. Wow. And I was like, that's why I've never heard that before. People are like, take out financing. Like, you'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> um, but that he was, was honest like, of him. Very honest. Yeah. And that obviously attracted us to him more. And he was like, you know what? I, I, he says like, I have a lot of, I have ADHD. I have a lot of things I want to put out, but I don't have anyone to kind of help me like actually do it. You guys are good copywriters. Let's partner together. Mm -hmm. And so we just ended up partnering on this where we helped build him up more and then mold it together. So we absorbed into his company, which was just his brand, Wellspring Media. So we kicked, we kicked to the curb our old name because we didn't have any sentimental value to it and join Wellspring Media. So then the three of us have been doing it the past like Got 18 it. months. So he became the face of the company. You are the salesman and there's one guy who's a copywriter who's doing all of the, the work. Right. <laughs> Got it. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. All right. Um, and moving into, were you guys focused? Because I know a lot of times when it comes to copywriting or in the media space, people go after like one or two groups of clients. Like were you guys very niched into one group or he was kind of spread out all over the place? So at first we were very focused on coaches okay. um, because again, that's a space that we understood as we all spent hundreds of hundreds of, uh, excuse me, hundred, at least a hundred thousand dollars on coaches ourselves. So mm -hmm. we're like, okay, I understand that. And now we're more broad because we built up the reputation and, and we also understand different industries because as an example, I have my background in sales, so it's easy for me to write and consult for sales companies. Yoga and John train writers. John used to be massive in the fitness space, so supplements or like you know gym, you know gyms and stuff like that. Yeah. So now, at first, it was like, what is your passion? And then it was like, what else are we experts at or know very much about in that field? So let's write for those as well. Got it. So each each person is listed what they were good at, what industries it kind of lined up with. And then it was like, let's target these because we know it, that's really, really, really smart because each one of you come with a specialty and uh, an industry behind that you can target. And also maybe a bit of network as well in those spaces. Totally. That's super smart. So 
you know, you're doing 10K to get with with just two people. Now you add the third. Does the business take off or is it like a slow putt like to get to the to where you got to go? Thank God. It um, it was like a medium hockey stick growth. Like mm-hmm. it took it, like to anyone that's like listening or when you listen to this, it ours didn't skyrocket. It took a while. Thank God. Now it's doing very well. But I'll be like, I'm always as frank as possible. We had a season of just crushing it. Uh, and then we had about six weeks, almost uh, two months of no sales coming in. And kind of like we talked about in the pre-show, it still scares you. Like you never like, get rid of like that fear of like that anxiety around, around business, but it was the confidence in our skill set. So in the scarcity time period, we knew we were going to get right back up. So we had, you know, a phenomenal quarter to like half of a bad quarter. And now this quarter is like, like record high. So it's very fascinating seeing that trend because then you mm-hmm. get to recognize where you weren't so hot doing and what you like got too cocky yeah. about. Um, and so our growth really came from really understanding what, what our holes were in the business. And then it slowly, so it was like slowly um, improvements every month. This is the beginning of it. And then we skyrocketed flatline went down, down and now flatline and going back up. So now we're really trying to, so to speak bigger, build our foundation higher. To never hit a low moment like that. Again. Got it. Yeah, one of my mentors, he always told me like, when things are great, is when you should start it's inspecting things. So he's like, when money's rolling, he's like, that's the time you want to break your business before your business breaks, right? Like, so he's yes. like, his his example he always says is little holes sink big ships, right? And he's like, always poke a holes when things are doing great because he's like, when things are doing great, mistakes are being made and no one's paying attention because things are mm-hmm. just so good. And he's like, when things are bad, you're examining everything. So he's like, always look at your business when things are at like the best, because he's like, it's much easier because everyone's happier. He's yeah. easier to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's always a good thing. But I'm, I'm, that, that's cool that you guys have that like plateau levels, like every level yeah. you go up, you have to dip back down. But like you said, you want to raise the, the foundation a little bit to make sure that yeah. the lows aren't as low. And there, I, we know it's going to happen again. I think yeah. that was the biggest lesson my my mentor taught me too, and just any, uh, the best people I've been around. You're always gonna have bad months, and you're always gonna have great months. So mm-hmm. how you know, for example, we now are constantly emailing our list where the beforehand we didn't, and we're not even selling it, just like awesome content. Mm-hmm. So then if we need to, when we need to sell to them, the list is warm. Versus in the past, we're like. I don't know who to go after. Like no one's responding to us. <laughs> we oh, haven't reached out to them in months. <laughs> right. And they're like, screw you. I know you're trying to sell to me. So it's like, you're like okay, yeah, yeah, here's yeah. cookies. Let's start over. <laughs> and that's where you always got to go find new people because you didn't keep your list warm. So you're on the hunt yeah. again and it's the perpetual grind. <laughs> yes. Um, it sucks, but it's a part of the game too. And, you know, it's part of the game. Also, it's good to look when things are doing good, too. It's good to start looking for new, you know, there's the hunting and the farming. You know, you always got to keep a little farm going and also hunting. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Um, so, so there's somebody right now that's listening to this, right? They're driving to work or they're, they're, <coughs> at, they're at the cubicle right now. They're dying a slow death. They're like, man, I really want to make a change, but I don't know how. I'm like stuck. Um I really want to quit this job, but I really don't know what I'm supposed to do next. What advice would you give that person? Because, you know, you were at that place. You were like, you know, depressed, stuck. Like, how do you get out from under that? What advice would you give that type of person right now? The first thing is that you need to do a self audit of exactly what you want. What's the exact life? Um, I am 
a firm believer that not everyone is meant to be an entrepreneur, including myself. I could be only doing this for X amount of years and then decide that someone wants to hire me in a passion that I love and be like, you know what? Maybe that's the next phase or mm -hmm. maybe this is my forever. The idea though is that you need to become so crystally clear on why you want to do something. What do you want to get out of that? Because as we talked about too, when you're an entrepreneur, it's not easier. It's actually harder because your 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 weaknesses are are you know on the spotlight more. Everything's on you in order to do something. You don't have that quote security of like a job, meaning you're just like that steady paycheck. You need to figure out everything on your own. So become very clear on the life that you want. Then find somebody or people that have that life already, whether it's a mentor or like a, a business, and then either go work for that business for a little bit of time to get that experience or go hire that coach. So then he or she or they can teach you exactly what you need, mm -hmm. but continue to work at your job until you build up if you're the side hustle as an example, do the transition. I don't believe in burning the boats right off that unless you're ready for that. It's a certain type of person. So you have to know like what your, what your risk tolerance is. Don't listen to someone just blanket statement of like burn the boats, go do it. Know your dream know why you want to do it, know how much you could really stomach to do it, and then baby step your way to doing that because you'll build a consistency, which is more important than the highs and then the lows because those will happen as well. Yeah, I, really good piece of advice is go find the person who's living that life. I think a lot of people skip that part. They'll yeah. see, you know, like, oh, this is what I want to do. And like, I could figure it out. It's like, ah, you don't, you know, save yourself a lot of mistakes because that person could coach you through a million of them very 100%. quickly. And you can bypass where they are much faster because you're, you know, when you buy a coach or pay for a coach, you're buying the knowledge base that they have and their experience and all their failures as well. <laughs> you're paying for that experience. Yeah. Got it. Exactly. So on the flip side of that, there's, there's, <laughs> we have the people with all the information. They Google everything. They right. had a coach, but they don't want to pull the trigger on anything. What advice would you give that person? Uh, I'd ask like, what are you, what are you genuinely scared of? Like, mm -hmm. what is the worst case scenario to you? Got it. And then walk yourself backwards. Like, why is that scary? So my whole thing is like, you have to do so much self-reflection because you, you just have to know like how you're feeling. And so there's an example uh, if you know you want to be an entrepreneur but haven't pulled the trigger yet, why? Are you looking for that perfect program? It doesn't exist. Are you looking for that perfect business? That doesn't exist. It's you need, like you just said too, find that coach that has built the life that you want, model what they're doing or learn from them so you can build a similar life that they're doing. But you need to figure out why you already haven't pulled that trigger because it's usually an internal thing, scarcity, fear, you know, mm -hmm. uh, limiting belief. Parents might be telling you not to do it. like understand that and then create a community of people that have already done it. So you're used to hearing that conversation around the people and you can see it and then hire that, hire that person to teach you. Got it. Very good advice, guys. I would write that down verbatim. Exactly. He said and execute as, as he just said, um, you know, as uh, you know, I, I like to ask this question. This is like so, a new question of mine that I've like really been trying to implement because I think, everyone sees the the rocket ship, you know, the, the 10 years of failure. And then all of a sudden there's an overnight success. This person's this big thing, but no one sees the mistakes and no one sees the failures and no, we don't talk about failure as much. And I want to start making that a more part of the conversation. 
can you give us a moment or a time that you that a failure became a lesson for you? It was like, man, this is I'm in a shitty situation as a business owner. And that turned around to become a lesson or that turned around to become something that you now practice in your business. Oh, absolutely. Um, we used to just hire, especially in the earlier stage, just hire, uh, take on clients because we needed the cash, but they weren't good clients. And that meant it wasn't that we couldn't necessarily uh, fulfill, which was part of it, but like we didn't energetically align with them. And so oftentimes that we would present something or we would argue about how things should go because the client just was difficult to work with and didn't align with our core values. And that ended up burning us because one, the time exhaustion to go into it. Number two, we had to refund their money because we didn't, you know, we couldn't work with them and they took a roster spot from somebody else we should have gone after. So uh, we had to learn to say no to people and knowing that that no will eventually have that person come to you, which is so much easier said than done because energy has been the biggest thing I've studied since becoming an entrepreneur, but it's such the hardest thing to believe in because it's not quantifiable. Mm-hmm. It's not like I put a dollar into Facebook and I get five leads, right? It's, 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 so part of it, you have to believe it's going to work until you actually start seeing the proof. But that's the thing like... We used to take on clients that did not align with our core values. And every time we did it, we got burned. And every time we took on clients that aligned with our core value, not only did we make a ton of money helping them, but the next one came so much easier. So I just started taking a step back and journaling every single day of like, how am I feeling? My current client roster, do we align with them the best? And then like starts attracting like. So then those Mm -hmm. people start coming into my life because I knew what I was going after. I knew who I was trying to bring in. And that was the biggest shift that we made. You said something and it's like a real quick gloss over. And I know somebody in my audience is going to be like, why didn't he ask this question? So let me ask this question right now. How did you identify your core values? Like, when did you decide that? Because like you said, in the beginning, you're like taking clients for money. Like, man, we need to keep the, we need to pay the rent. We need to keep this thing going. When do you sit down and say, all right, it's time to come up with a core value. Was that in the beginning? Was that after you got burnt a couple of times? We didn't create our core values till after we got burnt several times. Mm. And a lot of it was like reflecting back. So um, are you a football fan? Yeah. Who's your team? Uh, the Giants. The Giants. Oh, sorry, that's wrong. Mm. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm a Ravens fan. Um, we got kicked. We got destroyed by the Dolphins on Thursday. My parents came into town. We saw the game. It was ugly. Um, but I follow them like religiously mm-hmm. and, 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 John Harbaugh said something very interesting. He was like, as soon as we got on the plane, we started watching game film. We knew exactly where we went wrong. We knew exactly the mistakes that we were making and then how we can fix it next time. We would literally go back and we would rewatch our, our Zoom videos, our, our Zoom recordings with them. We would, we would re, uh, rethink about our conversations and we would recognize, did we even have fun doing this with that mm. person? And I was like, why didn't we have fun? Well, because there was no connection between us. We didn't, we weren't able to like laugh and enjoy the moment. Work is hard regardless of what you do. You do not love it every single second of the day. There's grind. The hope is that you're doing things that you love with people you enjoy being around so you can be silly as you're building the dream life that you want. Yeah. And so one of our core values was like, am I going to enjoy hanging out with this person? Because copywriting is a lot of back and forth. And I have to talk like you. I have to act like you in the words. So I have to enjoy you. So do I enjoy my clients? Can I relate to them? And then 
um, um, are they someone that's truly making a positive impact in the world? Mm-hmm. Like, do I believe in what they're believing in, in the mission that they're doing? And those are three huge things that we look at. And if they don't hit those three benchmarks, then it's probably not the right client for us. Got it. And once you aligned those core values, was it easier to walk away from clients? Because you're like, well, they didn't hit what we were looking for. Um, Even if the money matched, you're like, they didn't really match. Was it tougher to walk away or was it easier to walk away? It's so much easier for my partner to walk away. I still see things as dollar and cents. I'm like, but look what this can do for us. It can do so much. So it's so much harder for me to walk away. I need to be like so honest about that. But it's always the right move. Got it. Because um, even I remember this one time we were so good at saying no, we need to say no. The one time we said yes, we shouldn't. It bit us in the butt instantly. And I'm like, wow, this is the lesson that I need to keep learning. Yeah. I'm like, okay, fine. I'm going to, you know, tattoo it on my forehead to make yeah. sure that I don't forget. That's, that's a very good one. And that's something that I learned the hard way too. And I only learned that from reading, I forgot the name of the book now, but it was a Disney book, like a book that Disney made about their like services. And then I realized that Disney has like, when they put out content, it has to like fulfill, like it has to be like family friendly, right? Like it has to be. And every Disney story is the same. If it's a Disney movie, you know what you're going to sit down and watch. It's like, oh, it's a Disney movie. I know what's going to happen at the end. Like everyone knows what's going to happen at the end. And they stick to that. If you go to the theme parks, go to, and then I was like, wow, why haven't I built my business with this one motto in mind? And that's something that now moving forward, like everything that I do is about like trying to motivate and inspire, you know? So like, but that's, that's like exactly why I, I know that. So, but having that core value does help to one, the content you make, the people you want to be around, everything. It's like, it's the core thing. And like you said, it's energy. It's unquantifiable, but you could feel it. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. you can't say, ah, this is, this energy is big in this room. And you could just walk in, you know what it is. Totally. Yeah. So that's really cool. That's a really good point. Uh, it's a really good lesson to learn. Um, so um, what is one thing you wish if you could go back um, to... <coughs> to your younger self, your younger, your, your first year as an entrepreneur, if there's one lesson that you know now that you go back and teach your younger self, what would that be? Um, it would be to invest more into coaches earlier. I, I have scarcity around money. My partner does not as much. Um, I, I am like, again, thank God we're doing well, but like every time a penny goes out, I'm like, Oh no, am I ever going to make it again? Like it's that annoying <laughs> thought pattern in my head. So Trust that the investments you make in the right coaches, which goes back to self-reflection. Don't just hire anyone that says they can help you. Be like, this person lines up for me for these reasons. I would be friends with them if I saw them outside because Mm -hmm. if they don't have the life that you want, it's like hiring a fat personal trainer. It doesn't make any sense, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Invest as early as you can with that person because that will save you, like you said, so much time going from level one, because going from level one or zero to level one, which is like that first few clients is the hardest thing. Once you know how to do it, it gets easier because you understand the process. You have testimonies, you have, you know, you have a track record that makes it easier to continue to level up. Got it. Now it's the last question. I love asking this question because I hear a different answer from every person. The name of the show is the H for Hustle podcast. What does hustle mean to you? Hustle means to me that when I get to my deathbed that I will look back and I know that I lived my life the exact way that I wanted to live. Mm. And if I'm not hustling to do that, then, uh, you know, what's the point? 
And so hustle is an everyday constant reminder that time is finite. You just, you just gotta get after it. Got it. And let's say if you were to kick the bucket now, did you, would you say you lived the life that you wanted to live? For the 27 years I've been on this earth. Yes. There is so much more to do. There's so much like there's what helps me just as a last note is like, I know exactly where my money is going to go. Like I'm very involved in activism. It's super important to me about like my cause and just my background. So when I know that when I make uh, sign a client that some of that money is going to go to fund this initiative for me, like that fires me up. So that that's the hustle. So I, I want to grind as many hours as I can a week, knowing where it's going because I found my purpose. So that's like, that's been the biggest game changer. Got it. Um, I could talk to you for hours and I know we have a very, very short cut of time. There's, you said something, I want to ask another question, but I just said it was the last one. So go ahead, ask it. <laughs> so when and how did you find your life's purpose? So that came from my depression. And, and that's where I was like, you, I never want anyone to go through their own rock bottom, but everyone has to hit their own rock bottom. If you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, Cause that teaches you what the worst is and you get to see yourself at the worst. And then you get to know that if you can survive at your worst shit, and you can do anything at that yeah. point. So mine was rooted in, um, so I went to Israel for the first time in, in 2011. And then I went back for that trip and then for that year, and then the depression cycled afterwards. My work in activism was tied in just to my peoplehood, uh, you know, being Jewish and like my pride in that. And it was that um, I was connected to that because I saw I was part of something bigger than myself. Mm. So find whatever like so fires you up. It could be any cause. It could be your family, whatever it is. It could be your business. But recognize it's not about you. It's about something bigger. Okay. And that will always keep you keep you going. Got it. Because when when you feel down, you know, there's a bigger thing to gravitate toward. That's really, really solid and solid advice. So that is my last question. Brett, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for your time today. If people want to find you, find your services, find your company, where should they go? So either follow me on Facebook, which is Brett Kaufman. I can give you the link to uh, the show and the show yeah, notes. Yeah, cool. that will be in the show notes. Yeah, just perfect. Just, yeah. So I'll give you that in our in our Instagram, also our email list. If you just want to um, read more about our services, we always like to get someone to get to know us before we ever say like work with us because again, it's all about connection. So you know, follow us there. Got it, Brett. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. And just like that, another illustrious episode is in the can. Man, one of my biggest takeaways from this episode is creating your core values and why that was so important uh, for Brett and his business partners because they were chasing money and going after um, the wrong clients. And once they made their core, um, their core values, it was like they knew in what direction to take their company. So that was a big takeaway for me. I would love to know what your takeaways are. Go to h4hustle.com. Go to where it says episode. Click on this week's episode with Brett Kaufman. And I would love to hear your feedback in the comment section. So just go there. I would love to hear your feedback. And that's all I have for this week, guys. I'm going to wrap it up with the quote from the late great Nipsey Hustle. The quote goes, this game will test you. Never fold. Stay 10 toes down because it's not on you it's in you and what's in you they can't take away that's it guys peace boom